You're listening to the Scale to Grow podcast, where we help service-based business owners to take the guesswork out of scaling and growing their business so they can pursue their passions. My name is Shauna, and I'm a business mentor to coaches and creatives, and I help them to get out of the day-to-day and focus on scaling and growing their business to the next level. I sit down with business owners to talk about their experiences, the lessons they've learned, and share tips and strategies on how you can build your business without the overwhelm. Can you believe that we are in the last month of 2021? How crazy is that? How crazy is this year just wrapping itself right up? 2021. And as we get into 2022, I'm sure a lot of you are thinking about your offers. And when you think about your offers, you're thinking about what should I do next year? How can I maximize it? How can I optimize it? And for some of you that are still new and just finally getting the hang of what an offer should be, this podcast is going to talk about some of the common mistakes, how you should structure your offer, how to know when your offer is getting crickets, what to consider when you're dealing with pricing, and is bundling your offer and providing discounts the right way to go, and how can you get repeat business. So I'm going to go into some detail, but not going to dive as deep, but I will give you enough to get you started. And then I'll break each one of these segments into different episodes so that you can get more details onto what you need to do. When we talk about common mistakes, right? When it comes to offers, the thing that you need to always remember and ask yourself the question, because if you can't answer these two questions, the what you sell and the who you are selling to, then to be quite honest, it's going to be a hard, hard sell overall, right? Because you need to be able to be clear on what exactly are you selling and who are you selling to? Because if you're clear on the who, it's going to make such a difference. So what are the common mistakes? And I got five of them for you. So the first one is creating offers no one wants. This one is like, this is the most common one out of every single one, because a lot of times this is the piece that is the straw that breaks the camel's back at the end of the day, because you don't know what your client wants. You have no idea what their problems are, and you don't even know at what stage they are in their business if this is the problem, because a lot of times creating your offer, you have to know the why behind your creating your offer. Like, what is the problem you're trying to solve? And this is where a lot of people fall flat. The second one is creating a lot of offers that makes you seem like a generalist. I remember putting out a request for someone to come on my team. And the first thing that happened was I got a list of, I can do this, I can do this, I can do that, I can. And I was like, okay, all right, I don't think so because that's not what I wanted. So they didn't seem like they could solve my problem. They looked like they wanted to solve everything. And based on my experience, that doesn't work. Needless to say, I didn't hire them. Now, the third thing was people are in their head and they overthink what to offer. And let me tell you, it's literally your skills and experience. That's what you need to offer your skills and experience. The fourth common mistakes that I see is looking at the competition and copying someone else's offer breakdown and not being clear on what makes sense in terms of the services that will make you unique. And I had, and this is a topic for another day, but I had someone that actually copied my entire website 
and even copy my offer, copy my program, like different people. It's kind of crazy, but they did. And I remember thinking, why would you do that? You have none of my background. You have no idea how I do my approach. You just saw what I wrote online. That's it. So the fourth one was looking at competition and copy and don't do that. The fifth one, pricing your offer. I see a lot of either undercharging or overcharging based on value. And when you wrap this all up, this is really some of the common mistakes that come across when it comes to offer. So how should you structure your offer? Your offer needs to take into consideration two things. It's based on what your clients don't have or, and it could be and, based on what they don't know. An example of this, if you sell life coaching services, I always hear coaches say, I'm going to sell you on getting clarity in your business and I'm gonna help busy moms feel confident, right? But how does that translate to someone in a practical layman's terms? I'll use an example for myself. If someone's gonna sell me on getting clarity, my first question is how? Because you're gonna have to tell me if you're gonna do something different. Because there's a ton of coaches out there who are telling me they're going to sit down with me and talk it out with me over a few calls at a price of three grand and above. And that is an absolute no for me. That is a sad part of this for a lot of coaches because it really doesn't make you unique either, right? Because you sound like everybody else. And literally your client can take their pick of anyone and you won't be at the top of the options because you're not very clear as to what it was. Because again, it was vague. If you consider niching down, you can almost solve almost all of this when you apply the what, the who, the when, the where, the why, and the how to this whole situation. So the first, the ideal client avatar. I talked about this before. You need to know who is going to be behind your offer. So who is that person for you? Then you have to look at the what. What is the problem that that who, that person is going to have, what service they would want to take them to that next stage? So point A to point B, right? And then you gotta think about the why. Why would they be even interested in solving this problem? Because I always tell some of my other clients, I always say, you know, nobody throws money at you just for the sake of that. They have some expectations. What are the expectations, right? You have to look for that. And then you got to think about the where. Where are they in their journey? Are they at the stage where they're already solution aware so they know that coaching or graphic design or photography or branding is what they need, but they just need to find the right person who understands? Or are they completely oblivious and they don't know, right? They're kind of like, let me just wing this. They don't know. You have to understand that. And then when you think of the how, how can you make life easier and solve the problems they either know or don't know they have, right? And then you got to think the last one is the when. The when, it could be when can you solve the problem or when do they need the problem solved? If you take someone who is an entrepreneur who is struggling to find revenues and they commission you to create a nice brand in for them. When do they need this? It could be yesterday because they're probably doing a launch or if they're not doing a launch, they are trying to get visibility really quickly and they need this done 
yesterday or whatever. You got to think about the when. So how would you provide a service that's going to shorten that time or provide the right amount of time for them? But the first thing you need to do is you need to dig a bit deeper into your client avatar. And that will be the best way for you to answer majority of these questions. Now, let's talk about what should you consider when your offer is getting crickets. A lot of times we think about, okay, this is usually when your offer doesn't resonate, right? Your offer isn't resonated and it goes back to what I was saying was because they don't think you get it. They don't think you understand them. And an offer that resonates is when your ideal prospect says, yes, this person knows, they know what they're talking about. They understand because you have to build an offer that someone says, holy shit, she knows, she gets it. She's going to be able to be that person for me because she has the experience. She has all the stuff. So I'll give you an example. I had someone who was a senior executive. She's been in the role for at least 10 years. Her target audience, she told me right off the bat was, it's just females, right? And I know right there and then, sure, we've nailed down a gender, but that's not enough. So we had to take two things into consideration. What doesn't her audience know? So going back to what don't they know, and what does she know that will help solve their problems? I also had to ask, okay, what don't they have that she has, which is her experience and expertise. So she wanted to help corporate females to transition into C-suite because she has executive experience. And in order to do that, she needs to be able to isolate the problems they would have and get them from point A to B. And the only way for her to do that is to really list out and nail down what exactly she would be able to offer them so that she can make that transition from point A to B. When you get to all of that, then we have to talk about how much should I price it, right? This is where I see undercharging, overcharging. To me, pricing is very much subjective, very much subjective. You know, I personally like value-based pricing because it works. But if you look up anything about pricing, there is a ton of pricing strategies out there that you will apply in your business over time. But in terms of how you price your service-based business, this will all vary depending on what's going on for you. Like I said, there are many schools of thoughts around this, but pricing is very subjective and it's really based on what you're offering. Your experience and your perceived value of your service also feeds into that, right? If you're offering templates, for instance, your pricing strategy might be just focused on competitive pricing. A lot of times this is heavy on the volume game. It's less on the personal touches because you're playing more of a volume game. So it tends to be more standardized content that can still offer similar transformation, but still not the same because there's less personalization, right? But the only issue you're always going to run into is you're constantly watching your competitor. The volume game makes it very tricky for you, especially if you are using this as more of your active income, but it is a great option if you're considering passive income and you can continuously use that as part of your value ladder. When you think of your offer and you think of where you are in things, you got to think of, okay, who am I making this offer for? Am I hitting all the problem spots for them? 
Are they able to see the value in what I'm suggesting to them in my packaging? And am I pricing it right based on the person that's in front of me, the perceived value and my experience? The person I was working with who had executive experience and was helping people to get into the C-suite, she had a ton of experience to share with people. She could price her packages based on the value they're going to get because how else are they going to get that experience and that exposure to someone who's been in those boardrooms, who's been in those positions, who's done mergers, who's done acquisitions, who understand the game, right? It's going to be very hard for them. So she can price based on her experience and the value she's going to bring to them because that person will understand how to do the power plays in conversation. So they are, will be able to communicate more effectively at the end of the day. The other thing that I wanted to touch on is bundling your offers and providing discounts the right way to go. High ticket offers for me can be very tricky if you don't know your audience again. So you really have to make sure you understand your audience because if you don't understand your audience, bundling, doing all this stuff doesn't matter, right? It's gonna go over some people's heads, gonna resonate with others because people buy for value, the transformation, the change, and ultimately your promise. Bundling is a great way to go. And the reason why I say that because if you think of the customer journey, you will start to see different tools and different ways that you can help them. And you have to consider that your client's going to learn in different ways as they go through this process. And each tool will give them a different way to absorb the information that you're providing. So I'll give you an example. For instance, if you're a bookkeeper, right? And you're helping, say for me as a client with financial services, what are the ways that you can do this? I know nothing about taxes. So you can give me a tax guide. You can give me tax checklists. You can give me monthly reminder lists, budget and templates. You could even record a course for me that teaches me the basic of finance 101. And you can also do some form of revenue tracking spreadsheet that can help me as well. And a salary calculator for my contractors if I'm really trying to figure out how much am I paying them out so I can have better cash flow analytics later. And also you can give me your one-on-one -on -one services. If I was to look at bundling all of that together, that could be multiple different packages, right? So that could be a tax package. That could be added as a bonus. That could be a DIY where I can work through it on my own if you do like a course. Or it could be a combination done with you, done for you um, component to it. So bundling can definitely help. You got to think about when you are going to shell out the cash, this really needs to be clear. And you need to be clear on how you're going to help them get to the finish line. I don't think for a high ticket though, discounting needs to be a part of your pricing strategy. You really should be considering your options in terms of a value ladder to create those lower ticket offer type arrangements for potential clients. Because when you start discounting your work, it's going to be more of a cycle for you. And I think you really need to think about what is it that that person needs to get them to that first stage then the second stage, and then the third stage that they can afford your price in. 
How can you support them at the first stage with less of your time commitment, but still giving them quality that they're so hooked that they come to the second stage? And then the second stage will get them even more convinced that, yes, this is what I need. And in order to get to that next stage, I'm going to just work with you. Right. So this is something that you really need to think about when you are doing this work. Now, when you create all this stuff and you have your offer, how do you get people to have repeat business, right? So I kind of led into it when I said, you know, you got to think through your offer as to how are you going to get people to come back for more each and every time. And for me, what has been really successful for me is definitely putting in the value. You definitely want to make sure that you have a focus on results. And I find, and I'm not picking on coaches here, but I've had people where we sit in a conversation and we have a great conversation. And at the end, I don't feel like anything's changed. I have more awareness, but that's as far as it went. There's not much in terms of anything. And I think this is what's missing a lot of the work that I see out there because there's this notion that I have to let the client guide the outcome of the session. And there's truth to that. And there's also an issue with that as well, because at the end, that person is paying you for a reason. If they're coming to you for clarity and they're coming to you for clarity around something, what is it? Your coaching needs to be outcome focused as well. You really have to think about what that looks like. So in terms of repeat business for myself, I love my clients. I do a lot of things with them, but at the same time, I'm very results oriented. So I make certain that whatever I do with my clients, I have those hard conversations and I say, look, if we need this accountability, we're going to constantly come back to the drawing board and try to figure out and unpack as much as we need to, to get you better results. So if you're going to be here, we're not just going to blow the time if you're not ready. If you're not ready and you're not prepared, we're going to come back to the drawing board and they know this. And majority of the ones that stuck around, I've always had referral. I think I'm maybe a little bit over 90% in terms of success. And in addition to referral, because it's almost like at least a one-to-one in terms of my clients that has always referred. Because at the end of the day, it's the honesty that you need to bring forward, the transparency in terms of the relationship and the commitment at the end. Because if you don't have these things, you're not going to get that results focus outcome for your clients. And that's what a lot of people miss and drop the ball. So when you're having high retention, you really have to think about what am I doing? How am I using my skills? And one of the ways that I always tell some of my other clients is that they have to look at, and these are some of my corporate clients when they're looking for career changes. I always say, look, if you weren't at work today, what shit will hit the fan? Because if you identify what it is that people constantly come to you for and what you have been the hero on, you'll be able to identify where you need to be from an overall standpoint of value, right? Because those would be your strengths. Those would be some of the areas that people will pay you for in happily. With that being said, I hope you got a lot of information and good takeaways. I will go in and dig deeper in a lot of these other topics because I understand that these are really, really 
heavy topics that lots of you had questions about. So I want to make sure that I continue to give a lot of content related to this as we get into the new year. So with that being said, if you are interested in learning more on how to create your ideal client avatar, check the show notes for more info. Thank you for listening to the Scale to Grow podcast. If you would like to know more about how we can help you to take the guesswork out of your business, visit us at www.concaveservices.com. 